Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at Stay on Target Podcast. Com. That's right, John. This week is a an episode that we're really excited about. Yes, a very special episode. We are talking to author and artist of the Rust series of graphic novels, Royden Lepp. Dude, so such a, such a great conversation, yep. and uh, and I want everyone to buy all of the graphic novels, the Rust graphic novels, Volume One, Two, Three, Four, and uh, and go at it from there. You, you did them digitally this last time. Yep. And uh, and they they existed hardback, gorgeous hardbacks, mm-hmm. and then some soft covers as well. Yes. So and I think the soft covers start with volume zero. Yep. So pick that up. So if, so make sure you pick that one up if uh, if you're interested. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like our conversation gets pretty deep, dude. It goes it goes. Uh, I think there's a moment in there where like it goes really deep. Yeah, I'm really uh, really glad he came on the show. He's really open and transparent with us, and uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Oh, and after the interview, um, Royden actually showed us a trailer for Volume 4 um, that uh, you can check out on YouTube. Um, we should, talked about it last week on the podcast. Yeah. So, uh, we'll put that in the, po- the podcast post at stayontargetpodcast.com again. Um, yeah, if you watched it last week uh, or if you haven't seen it, you should totally watch it, make you excited for the new book. Yeah, dude. So, John, what have you been up to this week? I have been up to... One thing primarily, All right. and that is the game Celeste. Mm. And this is a uh, this is a, a game that I've been playing on my Nintendo Switch, um, and I think it's available on everything. So it's available on on all your 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 gaming systems. But this is a uh, a game from the makers of Towerfall, which I never like super played a ton of, and uh, and so this is just a straight up like platformer um no combat you don't you don't really fight anything in the game but the uh the the concept of the game is that you are um the character madeline and you're climbing a mountain named celeste so celeste mountain and uh, you encounter a few like a bunch of different characters and things like that in there but it's a uh if you like platformers definitely pick this up if you don't like platformers i would say still pick it up because it's a uh it's it's an amazing game I'm very close to the end now. I'm one one level. I'm on the last level, right before the last level, and uh, and it's a unique experience, dude. Is it hard? It's hard, um, but never unfair. Like All it's right. unlike where uh, something like Meat Boy, like Super Meat Boy, like it's, yeah. it's. I would say Super Meat Boy is is definitely harder. Yeah. And Super Meat Boy likes to rub your face in the fact that you, you are bad <laughs> For at sure. this. Oh yeah. Um, like where even at the end of each each little screen or whatever, each they level. will uh, they'll show you all of the deaths. Yeah. And uh, whereas this game, like it's the exact opposite approach to that, where it's like it's constantly kind of like encouraging you and, and being uplifting um, all along the way. Uh, I also say like it's it's hard. I haven't gotten into the assists, but if like you're if you really are having a hard hard go at it, there is a assist mode that is unlocked from the get go. Like mm. you can just kind of like enable uh, these assistants, customizable kind of assists where it's like, oh, here let me give you a second dash. Um, so essentially like three jumps rather than just the two. And then uh or it's like, oh well let me uh let me make you completely invincible. So that one is is a bit bit ridiculous, you know, but it's like you can be completely invincible if you want. You mm. can also slow down time, which is the one that I would probably go for. And I thought like, oh man, if I if I run into too much trouble with this thing, if it's frustrating um, by 
any means, I will enable this mode because you can go down uh, like, oh, here's 90% speed. Here's 80% speed, all the way down to 10% speed, in which case like you're still performing all of the, the platforming elements. It's just slower, so you have more time to, to react and to think and yeah. to, to kind of plan out where you have to go next. Yeah. Um, dude, the gameplay, the, the, this game, it can't be much much tighter as far as like a 2d platformer goes but where it kind of shines for me and keeps me like driving to go forward and climb this mountain climb this mountain is that the uh the story is integrated really well with the platforming um and so rather than like with meat boy or with uh with like mario or with uh with any any number of 2d platformers uh they kind of play off of the trope of like oh someone gets kidnapped and you have to go and get them right this is is more uh this is deep deeper than that like it, it deals with some some really like interesting complex uh serious themes with the different characters that she encounters um everything from like sadness to anxiety to like depression and things like that and it deals with these things and in, in these really cool cutscenes um that they're just like dialogue boxes so everything is a a 16-bit kind of pixelated snes look but then whenever you talk to other characters there's like these hand-drawn um images that show emotion and like so you really kind of get to know these what normally are just little pixelated characters um and uh dude it's it's a really really cool game um the one other thing that i wanted to throw out before i before i we move on is the music is so good Similar to the 16-bit kind of uh, SNES look, it is based on like a 16-bit soundtrack, Mm -hmm. but then there are other things that get slipped in there, whether it's like a guitar or like some vocals or like a piano where it's like, well, that that obviously wouldn't have been possible with a like SNES sound card or anything. Um, and so it kind of takes these things and, and modernizes the right things and builds off of each other. It's a, it's a really cool game, dude. That's cool. I mean, would you say the, I mean, you know, you've t- I'm not a huge platformer in and of itself, like yeah. lover. I'm not like, I mean, whatever, well, you know, um, but would you say like the story is the selling point of it? I would say that's what makes it different from all the other platformers. Um, and I think even even the difficulty of it being a platformer like that, where it's like, oh, this is a hard game. Yeah. Um, it actually so like you know, compare if we compare that to like Shovel Knight or something like that. Right. I, mean, I gave up on Shovel Knight because it's, it's too hard. You know, like I don't. Again, I think we've talked about it before. Like the level of difficulty doesn't challenge me in a lot of ways it deters me from finishing games like that i think for me because i'm the same way where it's like i did finish shovel knight but uh, it's like it there was a definite point where like at the the final the level before the final level i was like i don't know that i'm gonna finish this because i'm you know it's too it's it's so hard this hasn't gotten to that point for me um and again i'm I'm right at the final like world the final level i was at that point way before that point and (laughs) in shovel knight i would say that this is i mean it's definitely easier than shovel knight and it doesn't have combat so shovel knight there's the element of like oh i have to fight these enemies at the same yeah. time I mean, that as makes I'm it seem more interesting to me though and uh i mean i don't know like it's, I don't it's just a asking, different vibe you know like for 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 someone like me who like i don't like platformers right it doesn't have any combat which you know is like okay i actually like the combat if yeah it, you know in cuphead if cuphead had no combat that game would suck <laughs> well i wouldn't necessarily call that a like a a, a tried and true like platformer either, no it's but, not a straightforward know. platformer but like you know what i mean right for um, sure like a side scrolling kind of a thing where it's like oh that the combat is intriguing yeah. i don't know like i in this game specifically 
I would say yes. The driving force for me is like, hey, I just need to get to the next story, or I just need to need to get to the next the next thing, the next moment. And it's like, like I said, it, if there's no shame in in cranking down the uh, the assist mode or going to oh let's go half speed or like whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. And they don't ever lock you out of that. Whenever you go to say oh I want to add the, an what assist. What does the assist mode do? So the assist mode will literally just do whatever whatever it says. So it's like oh I I you can customize it with here's. 90% speed. And it's like, well, that's still too fast. You can do 80% speed. You can do 80% speed and you're invincible. You can do, uh, you know, you can customize it however saying. you would like. Yeah, yeah. Um, essentially, they're okay. giving you I mean, the developer but that's, tools. That's, that's, that's the thing. Like, that's, you know, that sounds more intriguing to me if I can just like, okay, I can just play this game for a good story. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, they make they make it kind of clear where they say like, oh, we originally intended this game to be hard. That's kind of part of it. And it plays with like the story uh, yeah. a little ways, like where it's like, oh man, it is, it's hard for reasons, but at the same time, like if that's going to hinder you from finishing our game, we don't want that. Right. Like, and I think that's the coolest thing about the way that the developer has approached this is yeah. that they want it to be a game that everybody can enjoy. I don't like that. Like, I will. I mean, I'll play any kind of game for a good story. Yeah. But I don't like to suffer through gameplay in order to do it. You know what I mean? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I, I, especially when it's like, I mean, again, lots of people like platformers. I just don't. And so it's right. like, and I'm not good at them. I'm just going to say that. Like, I'm good at puzzles and puzzle games, bad at platformers. Yeah, and I'm um, the opposite. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got that covered, Chris. Right, yeah, we got, we the, got the platformer and puzzle game covered. Yeah. But you know what I mean. I do, I do, do get it. And, it, like, I would say as far as, like, from, from if I didn't like platformers, yeah. I would still try to play this game. And I honestly, like, the fact that it was, it, it is so hard and people were like, it's really hard, that kind of, <laughs> Almost made me not want to yeah, play I mean, it at like, first. You know, Dark Souls. I mean, I didn't finish Super Meat Boy. Let's just say that. You know, like right. I don't, I don't like, I not, don't play Dark Souls. Yeah, and for me, like Super Meat Boy, I didn't finish it either, and primarily because there wasn't, like, it got really hard. And it would rub your face in it all the time, <laughs> where it's like you are not good at this game. Yeah. And then, uh, and then there was nothing to drive you forward. Like there yeah, was yeah. no, like there For was sure. no cool thing at the end of this. Yeah. Whereas on this game, it feels like none of those. Like it's the opposite of all of those yeah. things. It's like while well, it's hard, but we don't rub your face in it. It's like and it's totally okay to crank down the difficulty. <laughs> and then it's also there's really cool things in the like interspaced in here. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I I, uh, I would recommend almost everybody play this game. Like, unless you're That's just cool. you just completely hate these types of games, I would say give it a shot. I'll probably play it, turn on the assist mode, make myself turn all of it on, whatever that that is. <laughs> Instant finish, where you don't have to even do the play the level. Flight. That's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. What have you been up to this week? Oh man. Um, trying to think of uh what what i've been up to since last week i finally watched boss baby it's on netflix fantastic movie really i love it you should watch it okay um it's uh so let me lay this out there yeah. you watched boss baby before yeah. you watched coco uh, well yeah boss baby's on netflix that's why <laughs> if coco was on netflix i'd be watching coco i don't know why i think this is the thing there's a, there a point in time whenever I, I i kept wanting to go watch things like coco that were out but then like I feel like we were really busy. Anyway, I just I need to go see Coco. Yeah. Before I can make some kind of like ruling on like best animated movie or whatever. But I really liked Boss Baby. It okay. was hilarious. It was really well done. And it had um a more intriguing and touching story than I thought it would. Cool. I uh, it was, a, it was to... a cool it was a cooler con honestly, I'll lay this out there. It was it's a cooler once you break it down, it's a cooler concept than what the trailers lead it to be. Mm. 
that being said, I think the third act, um, it takes it in a different direction. It's not a bad direction. It's just a different direction than the rest of the movie. I feel mm. like you know, it turns into uh, more of a uh, an action movie. Interesting. I'll say that. Interesting. But I mean, it's up against things like Lego Batman. Honestly, I think I liked it better than Lego Batman. I mean, that's wasn't Lego Batman not nominated for for anything for the no, Oscars? It's, it's it's nominated for best animated feature. Okay, okay, I think isn't no, it? No, I don't think it was. I think was that was it? one of those snubs that we talked no. about last week. We need to find out. Hang but, on. Um, it's hard to end maybe movies, it is. Chris. Maybe, maybe it is. It, hang on. It's very. I think we. Re- I remember mentioning that and being like, "Yeah, well, ne- Lego Ninjago would also be in there." So I finally. Uh, I just. I was trying to open it up on my phone. I've reached the limit of tabs I can have open. How in, many is in it? Safari. No idea. Is it a hundred? I'd have to go through and count it. It looks like a hundred. Let me get rid of. Uh, you know, if you go to private browsing mode, you can open a whole other like hundred <laughs> tabs or something like that. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right. So the contenders for best animated feature. I was right, John. You made me doubt myself. Oh, so Lego Movie is on there? The Lego Batman movie. I so think we had that conversation last week. Nominations are. Well, what did we say last week? Were we wrong know. last week? We might have been wrong last week. Um. Uh, contenders: Coco, The Breadwinner, The Lego Batman Movie, Boss Baby, Despicable Me Three, and Ferdinand. Oh, and Loving Vincent. Cool. I mean, I haven't. Seen, the only one I've seen out of those is Boss Baby. So you're saying that Boss Baby is Boss Baby uh, is, is good is on top for you right now. I mean, it's because it's the only one I've seen. Well, you saw a Lego Batman movie. Oh, I saw Lego Batman. Yeah, you're right. And Lego Batman is pretty fantastic. And honestly, it's really good. The one thing I'm gonna like probably save forever until something else comes out that beats it but the lego batman movie is the best movie i have ever seen in 4k hdr Mm, nice that movie is the case for hdr nice i like that insane i like that so basically you buy a 4k television first movie you watch lego batman yep i'm definitely saying that there it is chris Hmm. i think it's time for the The news, Chris. The only piece of news, the yeah. single piece of news, yeah. that is uh, that we like we weren't necessarily gonna do news. Yeah, we were just gonna dive right into the Road Lemp interview. But today, Rockstar has announced <gasps> that Red Dead Redemption Two yes. will arrive yes. in retail stores yes. October twenty sixth. But wait a minute, John, isn't that months after it was originally supposed to come out? I mean. They s- delayed it from being fall 2017, which was months ago, yeah. to be quarter like or summer, spring or summer of 2018. I, I think it might have been spring. I think they said first half of the year yeah, yeah. of 2018. So, yes, this is m- months after that, in fact. I'm, I'm happy that we have a hard release date. Agreed. Um, which is awesome. I'm super excited for this movie. Or uh, movie? This game. Yeah. Um, Regardless of when it comes out, and if they need extra time to to polish it up, I'm happy about that. I'm bummed it was not coming this this spring. I was looking forward to that. Um, I even like we were, uh, Dee and I were going through our calendar the other day, and we were like, okay, well we could take a vacation here. We could take a va- you know use a vacation day here. And I'm like, okay, well I need to save one for Reddit Redemption too. Nope. Yes. No longer. I can use that vacation day. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned that it comes out on. Yeah. Uh, Deed's birthday. Yeah, it comes out on her birthday, so I'm going to be like, hey, for your birthday, why don't we play Red Dead? <laughs> Can I give you the gift yeah. of me playing Red Dead Redemption Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just celebrate the day before. It's better that way. 
gosh. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, I'm going to have to like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to take the 27th off or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And play that. Yeah, just take, I mean, is it, what day of the week is the 27th? I don't know. Is that what a day, Saturday? Day, you may already ha- have it off. See, oh man, that'd be the best. Actually, if it comes out on a Friday and like the weekend, you know, like that's that's the best scenario anyway. I have the whole weekend to play it. Agreed. Okay, so the 26th is a Friday. Yes. So yeah, you you will have basically the entire weekend That's to amazing. play. It. And All if right. you wanted to take a vacation day, you could take the following Monday. Oh, well, I don't um, even have to now. Right. And I was wondering like maybe if they say, "Oh, we're going to launch uh the uh Red Dead Redemption online yeah. service." Um, maybe later because that's how they did GTA. Um, it might be a situation where you take the day off then. Um, I still am very skeptical of this release date just because like Rockstar doesn't mind delaying things. Like whenever they feel like it needs to be delayed, they'll delay it. And this is even the second time that this game has been delayed. I think Red Dead Redemption 1 uh, was delayed a couple of times and GTA 5 was definitely delayed at least this many times. Um, in fact, I think the online service for that, like the GTA Online, didn't launch for like months after the initial game came out. And so, um, yeah, so we'll find out if this sticks. I'm so happy, dude. If this if it holds at October, I'm gonna be uh, gonna be pumped to play it um, in the fall. I cannot wait till they hopefully announce a collector's edition. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna pick that up when it happens. Side note. They released some screenshots with this. Gorgeous. Um, of course. And I feel like I've I've taken on my Xbox, as well as uh, admired, more game screenshots in the last six to seven months than I have my entire life before that. Um, I think games like right now, like they're nailing art style and they're nailing um, just really pretty games. So if this, I hope this game has like some sort of a photo mode. Um, if it doesn't still screenshots are going to be, going to be great. I'm reading this report from uh, CNBC. It says, uh, shares of take two dropped as much as 6%, uh, after the news of Red Dead Redemption 2's delay, which makes sense. Some of that kind of stuff kind of happens. Yeah. Um, I, uh, it also says there's a, a new trailer. I didn't see that. What's the new trailer? I just thought it was screenshots. Maybe it is. It Maybe says, there's a new trailer. A uh, new trailer, setting characters. This is from US Gamer. Uh, mm, new trailer? There's trailer two. I see trailer two. I don't see another trailer. Huh. I mean, maybe they're talking about trailer two. Yeah, they're probably talking about trailer two. Uh, which we've already be. discussed, the story yeah, we trailer. Talked, we of. talked about that a few episodes ago. Yeah. That's the news. So, John, back in 2011, a graphic novel came out called rust visitor in the field and it quickly became one of our favorite graphic novels of all time and uh, we followed um followed that one the next one uh, the second one came out a few years later Mm -hmm. and uh before the release of the third book i believe we interviewed royden lepp the artist and author of the rust series that's back in episode 54 52. 52. I think I did that last week, too. <laughs> the only reason I remember that it's 52 is because that would have been, like, if we had done weekly, it yeah, would have yeah. been a year into the podcast. So yeah, very, yeah. very young podcast. We actually released a bundle of them right at the beginning. So yep. it was a little less than a year, actually, yeah. um, the first time we talked to Royden. But here um, we are uh, five years later, and we're interviewing him again for his new book. It's the final chapter of the series, Rust, Soul in the Machine. 
Volume 4. It's actually out on February 6th. So if you're listening to this the day that we release, it's actually on Tuesday. Um, yep. And uh, my Amazon pre-order is like, oh man, it's going to be there on that day. So I'm, I'm super excited to, to get that book and add it to the collection. Um, for this interview, uh, we actually had a had a uh, pre-release of copy of the book. So we have read Volume 4 and I can say... It's uh, it's definitely worth worth the wait. Royden, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you guys. Um, so Rust is one of our favorite graphic novel series, um, and this has been a long road to get to this point. What does it feel like to be releasing this fourth book? Uh, well, I I know it's been a really long road for me. I think the road is a lot shorter for the people that pull it off the shelf in Barnes Noble and kind of blow through the first few volumes. <laughs> I mean, if, if there's any Barnes and Nobles left, I'm not sure, but you know, um, but I know that it sometimes, uh, people say, well, it reads really fast. So, uh, yeah, it, it, does. it, it has been a long journey for me though. And it's, uh, it's hard to put into words what it's, what it's like being over, but it's, it's, it's definitely a good feeling. It's satisfying. There's a lot of feelings. It's bittersweet. It's, you know, there's, there's a lot of sadness to him being done. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but overall the, the prevailing emotion is, um, uh, satisfaction, I think. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. I will have to say like we, us having read it at this point, I am, I am satisfied as well, man. It is a, uh, it, as I was saying before, I think we started recording. I, I mentioned that I, we read it after I read it. I was like, man, this thing wrecked me. It, it was, it's, it's incredibly good, man. The, uh, the fourth volume is, is everything that I, I didn't know that I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I mean, uh, you know, as I was saying, it feels good to be done, but the, the other shoe to drop is what people think of it because I, I wrote this for, people to read and for them to enjoy. And, uh, I was recently reading a, a book about story writing and it, and it's, it was describing how you can kind of basically destroy a story in, in the very final act and how mm. you could have a really mm. great setup and people are like, Whoa, I'm intrigued. What is this? Tell me more. And they get into it and then you finish the story and you try to wrap it up. And that if it's done poorly, it, it makes everything bad. And mm -hmm. I was just like, Oh no. <laughs> if I, if I wreck this fourth volume, then, uh, then, then, uh, I will lose a lot of fans of the whole series. But, uh, so there's a lot of, you know, I'm a lot of trepidation around hearing what people think about it. I haven't, haven't heard a whole lot of reviews yet. So, cause it's not oh, yeah. out. So I, it's, it's definitely, uh, I'm satisfied with, it. I think it was, it was a great end to the series and fitting end. Um, and, uh, you did a great job. Great, thanks. <laughs> I I remember like back whenever we talked after volume three or right before I guess volume three yeah. came out. Um, you had mentioned that um, you were gonna leave some things kind of up in the air as well as like wrap up some things and it's like it, that balance is incredibly hard to walk mm. and I think you struck it incredibly well with this book um, and so is there something like did you keep something in mind where it's like well I'm, I'm gonna answer a percentage of the questions but not not these others and like how did you determine how to walk that line between revealing everything and wrapping everything up in, in too perfect of a bow versus leaving everything out there? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure how I set out to achieve that. I, I think I always knew how much of the story I was going to wrap up and how much, how many questions I would still leave unanswered. Mm. Um, to me, it's, it's all about the characters and if we can see their trajectory 
change. We can, you know, it's it's some of the storytelling principles. If you if you see that character change and and make a transformation in the story, if you can see them heading in a new direction, that um, for me often is enough to kind of wrap it up and uh, and and get a sense of having a complete story. Um, so I I wanted to make sure that was there. And although I haven't created a story where you sit down and say in a world where a great long war, like <laughs> I didn't do that. So there was all these questions from the beginning and I wasn't just going to come in and be like, okay, here's what the war was about. Here's what the rest of the world looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, all the, all that extra stuff that if, if that was important, I would have told that to you off the bat, like right off front, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I still think there's some interesting stuff that would be, it would be fun to explore, but that's not what, this series was about and so it was easy for me to say well that's not that's not the stuff that's going to get wrapped up mm. yeah we look at something like uh, star wars or blade runner and we look we talk about like lived in worlds you you created that really really well and um created engaging enough characters that sure we didn't know like hey what is this war and like i you know i'm super curious to know what that was or um even what time period this is you know or what what this is, you know, if this is if this is even Earth, you know, like you know, how do how do we know that stuff? Um, like anything, give me anything, please. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but the the like you created engaging characters where it didn't matter um, what the surrounding world was, and you can kind of relate to any of them. Who was your favorite character to write um, as you went through this process? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously, writing writing for Roman was uh, probably the most interesting because he's the, the, the closest character to me being that he's, uh, you know, an adult male and, and that I've, I've talked about a lot how, you know, I'm, I'm writing a story about uh, a man who's lost his, uh, his father and I've experienced that in my life. So it was, mm very cathartic for me to sit down and write Roman's letters. Hmm. But some of the characters I think that had a more drastic change, like, a, you know, like, uh, I don't think I'm not giving any spoilers away. Like Oz, mm-hmm. you know, was a, more of a challenge for me to figure out where he's coming from or where he's going and trying to make sure that he lands on his feet, so to speak from a, from a character's development perspective. And that was, uh, uh, that was that was a good challenge uh, that that I hope I, I I wrestled in the right way. Man, I, I I while reading these characters and and while getting to know all of them, there's also so well uh, developed and uh, that that you feel like there are moments where they make a decision and, and it's maybe it's something where you're like, oh no, don't do that, but then they they make it anyway and and you feel for them and mm. and regardless of whether or not like there are decisions that they make that you you think are positive or you think is, are negative as a reader, you're still in their corner. And that is uh, that's an incredible achievement um, because it, you can kind of go along those those lines of, of they are too perfect or, or too flawed. And mm-hmm. you kind of walk that line really well with, with all the characters uh, and all the different moving parts within the book, which is, uh, is incredibly fun to read. That's, that's good to hear. I, I think um, something that kind of relates to that and the experience I had in this last volume where I felt like I'd, I'd hit my stride a little bit in pacing and rhythm. And I knew where the story was going, but there were some scenes where I, I didn't know exactly exactly how they were going to develop. Mm-hmm. And I would be sitting at 
at my computer working on it and and the thumbnails would come out and all of a sudden I would I, I got to see the story develop in front of me in a really strange way where it, it felt like I wasn't in control anymore. Wow. Like I wasn't telling the story. It was like, well, this is this is where we have to go. Mm-hmm. I don't have a choice anymore. And I got to see these characters kind of make a decision that was like, oh, this is going to suck mm-hmm. for the audience to read. But the, this is what has to happen. And I felt like I wasn't dictating the story necessarily. I was I was more... Uh, I was more watching it happen at, at certain points in writing this volume, which was a experience I, I haven't really had before. That's wild. I think that's, that kind of probably contributes to what you're talking about earlier with people just flying through the books. I mean, I, I kind of I think back whenever I first read The Hunger Games, I just flew through those. You know, they're just so engaging. And this this feels the same way where you're just like, man, this is just flying at me and I just I have to get to the end of it. Um, and like right before this, so I, I, I went back and reread everything from start to finish. One thing I wanted to ask you, like we, we've been talking about a little bit about the pacing and the world building. I originally read these in hardback and then this past time when I went back and read them, I read them, um, digitally on my, uh, on my phone. Oh, and, um, I was going to ask you, so whenever you read them that way, you start with, uh, the zero mm-hmm. book and you see all the flashbacks, first and then you read through the series which way do you prefer because i think in the hardbacks they're they're in every single um they're in every single book mm-hmm. um and you read them that way what's the uh what's your preferred way or and, or talk about the reasoning behind those two approaches yeah um i don't know how, i don't know how much i should say about that cuz i <laughs> i think full full transparency is i have a little bit of regret around the way I broke up the soft covers, mm. which is probably the way how you're reading them digitally. Yeah, yeah. I still believe that they work, but it, it was an idea that I had that I felt like was at this time when I felt pressure that I didn't have volume four coming out soon enough. Mm. And um, I had always wanted to get the soft covers out so that we could get the books into the hands of readers at a cheaper price. And I thought, well, a cool collectible thing would be if we did a bit of a remix like if i took all the prologues out Mm -hmm. put them in order because i tell them backwards in the hardcovers Mm -hmm. and then release that as volume zero i thought that would be interesting but what i ended up with or what i the experience that i have anyway is standing at shows and having people be like well which way should i read it (laughs) because this one's got five books and that one's got four and i'm like well this one's got the prologues in the front but they're backwards and i'm like doing all this explanation (laughs) and they're they're looking at me like it shouldn't be this difficult to explain. It should just be like whatever one you want to read, right? But, right. <clears throat> um, so because of that experience, I have some regret around that that remix. But I do I do still think it it reads well. Mm-hmm. Um, the original intention and the way I'd originally envisioned the story was the way you read it in the in the hardcover. Okay. And and I I think that's probably still my favorite, especially for the fourth volume, because there's a mm-hmm. connection between what happens in the flashback of the fourth volume and what happens at the end of the fourth volume. Right. And so I, I did that on purpose, but mm-hmm. um, I I still think it works. I I don't think it was a a huge mistake necessarily, but um, I maybe maybe wouldn't have made the same choice if I'd go back. 
Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you guys think? I think for me, like whenever I read them in the hardcover, like, and that's how I originally read them too. And that's how I have them here. I, I, I do have volume zero. Cause like whenever it came out, I was like, oh man, this is a good collectible. And it honestly like was the first look at, uh, the first few pages that flashback within volume four. And so that's honestly why I wanted to, wanted to grab it. Um, but I think for me, like the, the ramping up of tension, uh, in the hardbacks is really interesting because you have the, this, the aftermath in the flashbacks going and ramping up back to the original core event. And then you also have going forwards from there with the, uh, with, with, with the family, you have the tension ramping up that way, which is something that is, you mentioned, I think last time whenever we spoke, you, you had tried to ramp up some tension with maybe the robot and the chicken, uh, scene in volume three and volume four is the, like this, extension of that tension throughout almost the entire thing where it's you speed it up and slow it down at these key moments and both in the flashback as well as in the current day kind of stuff and uh and it plays really well that way but i will say in reading volume zero it honestly like it it revealed some things to me that i didn't necessarily uh, put together yeah um timing wise Mm. and like positionally where uh i think mr alka is uh is on the field while jet is doing something over over in this other area and i'm like oh man i didn't know that was happening relatively simultaneously and so it's 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 interesting to read it that way yeah that's a good point because i didn't i i took a lot of liberties with with jumping in time and and in place and so um uh yeah that 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 does make sense that it, it would actually reveal a little bit more to people i think i now on this side of it I, uh, what keeps me awake at night is that reader that grabs volume zero and, and reads it totally all by itself uh, without any knowledge of the rest of the series and, or, which is going to happen. And that's not terrible because hopefully they'll go into volume one mm-hmm. and, or the reader that grabs volume two or volume one without any of the flashbacks mm-hmm. or the worst case scenario, <laughs> <laughs> the, the reader that got hardcover one. Oh yeah. Hardcover two. Yeah, and then for whatever reason, grab soft cover three, mm. and then mm. soft cover four, and they're basically missing like sixty pages right. of, of content. <laughs> they they may not know it. They'll just be like, "Well, it's weird. These two books didn't have the flashback." Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that's the stuff that keeps me up at night. But I gotta I gotta kind of let that go and just let it be what it is. And if people are intrigued by the story, they're gonna dig in and find out for sure um, mm. where all the books are and and what they're missing. And uh, Absolutely. I have to trust in that part of it and i have to say like sitting here looking at volume zero that cover that you have on that it's it's full color which is is like is the amazing to look at just by the way but it's it's gorgeous and so i i'm gonna end up probably getting all of the soft covers or literally just to have them on my shelf because the art is is amazing on the uh on the cover so thanks yeah i was really i was really happy with that cover as well and it was uh um, I was thinking in those terms too, of like a collector, like, Oh, for the collectors, let's, let's remix the soft cover and give them something extra in a, in a different order. But that's, that shouldn't probably shouldn't be your primary way of thinking about publishing. It should be like that first time reader, that experience, you know, and not having to explain something <laughs> because I'm not in the bookstore to explain it to people. <laughs> They're like, where's Royden? I need to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's why you're here on this show. Yeah, there you it, go. It, there yeah, it is. You, know, right. you should just there point them is. in this direction. Whenever anybody asks, just be like, okay, here's, here's the podcast. We talk about it. Yeah. And I'll, I can sleep at night now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a, I want to talk a little bit about the themes that run through this series. Uh, I think my favorite line, and I, this is a bold statement. 
<laughs> one of my favorite lines in all of literature is whenever um, Jesse's staying there talking to Roman um, outside the farmhouse in the, I think it's the first book, and she says, I never thought that growing up would entail all this. Mm. And there's just so much subtext there. And, you know, like, can you talk about that a little and what that meant to you in terms of the larger series? Like, I have my own interpretation, but I, I would love to hear what you meant by that line. And maybe maybe you didn't put as much stock into it as, as I do, but um, what did you what did you mean by that um, thematically throughout the, the series? Yeah, I I don't I don't imagine it's th- that line in particular is too different than anybody that's in their early or even mid to late adulthood wouldn't um, identify with in that there are parts of life that you don't get to prepare for. And, uh, and it's, it's interesting to go through certain moments or milestones in your life. And, and your instinct is to turn back to somebody in their late teens or early twenties and be like, you don't know what it's like. It's going to be like this uh, when, when this happens, when you, when you get married or when you see your first child, or when you lose somebody that you love, um, and it's depicted in movies and stories, but you don't know what it's like, you know. And that mm-hmm. those those moments when they come to you, they're good and bad, and you say to yourself, "I didn't, I didn't know it was going to be like this," you know. And that's mm-hmm. that's uh, d- that's definitely the the core of what what Jesse's saying there. And it's, I mean, yeah, totally. I've, I've had that experience, you know, throughout throughout my adulthood. And I, I think, uh, I think most people can relate with that on some level or another. Yeah. That's, that's, I think you just said it like the part, you know, it's, it's good and bad, like, and that's, you know, you take, you take both of them. And I think you address that as well in the book. Um, and, uh, I really appreciate that. It's just like, it just, it hits you and you're like, I relate to that. And, um, it makes the whole series a lot more emotional. Mm-hmm. I think for me, like that concept is is so prevalent throughout, and then also like it's presented in the first book, you know, and and th- that kind of foreshadows what's to come because the expectations of the characters are are continuously um, changed. Where where you know Roman, he thinks that he's you know he's doing one thing where it may actually be something else isn't entirely at play. Um, whether it's, uh, whether it's, you know, working on the farm or the robots or, or whatever else is going on there, there's, uh, there's this element of uh, the unexpected happening. And, and, uh, and, and yeah, I, I love that idea throughout the entire series. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that thread kind of stayed through. Cause I think when I sat down to start this book, it wasn't, it wasn't like I want to write a book about this or this is the theme I want to continue through. I was mm-hmm. doing what they tell you to do, which is just write a story, you know, that's kind of from your heart, whether it's this genre or that genre, science fiction or drama or whatever. And um, and Russ didn't necessarily start that way, but the the threads were there at the beginning. And once, you know, I got to go on this own journey. Once I was at the fourth volume, I even the third volume, I knew what this was about, mm-hmm. and I knew what I was trying to say. Um, and, and I could say it kind of louder as I got through the series, but at first it was like, I want to make a really good, you know, science fiction comic book. I want there to be robot battles and the kid with the jetpacks can be ton- tons and tons of fun. And then, uh, when you're faced 
with these pages every night, you know, day after day for years, you eventually start putting some of your heart and soul into it, whether you want to or not. And, um, hmm. and, and I, and I hope that that was to the benefit of this, this book. And I guess that brings me to a question that I wanted to ask, like, and, and have wanted to ask for, for a minute. Um, did you know the ending before you started? And I think that's something, you know, it's, there's this double-edgedness about that because um, as a reader, you want the creator to have like control to be the, you know, the, the benevolent ruler of this universe that you're reading about and to know everything in it. But at the, at the same time, it also needs to be flexible enough to go where the story wants it to go. And, uh, and to not kind of, kind of, we also don't want the creator to really necessarily hold on to the 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 thing to run it off of a cliff or something, you know, it, to hold on to the original concept all the way throughout to its detriment. So, did you know what you you know the, how this was all going to end before you began? Yeah, that's a good question. If that if that wasn't made clear with some of my other statements, and uh, and I I hope I don't lose too much respect, but it's the truth, and the truth is no, I did not know, mm. and under the circumstances of how the book started, which was, you know, I was talking to a publisher. It wasn't Archaea at the time. I was working with a division of HarperCollins and they're like, here's, here's the book, here's the timeline. Um, you know, here's when it's going to be published. Here's your milestones. And then once it was, once I signed the contract, it was like, go your first deliverables in two months. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. And I just started, (laughs) you know, and, and a lot of writers I think could can agree with that when it, or identify with that when they, when they, kind of get that first break and they see those deadlines coming. And so when I started, definitely the answer was no. In some ways, when I started, I didn't know where it was. I really didn't know where it was headed. But um, it wasn't too long before I could see the ending and I knew Mm -hmm. what it was. And when when the ending came to me, it was all at once and it was in a moment and... um, and and then all the pieces kind of like fell together like okay that's that is where i'm going with the story i realized that it was part of where the story needed to go but also the story i wanted to tell and that that was years ago it, like you know when i when i realized um how it was going to end mm-hmm. but even then once i realized how it was going to end like i described even in doing this last volume there was like entire scenes where i actually didn't know mm. fully how like page to page how it was going to end because mm-hmm. what would happen is sometimes I'd write the scene in script version. Sometimes I would thumbnail it out and sometimes I would leave the entire chunk of a scene and not thumbnail it until I got to it. And I just went into it knowing well, I have to tell this scene in in like 15 to 20 pages or, or maybe less than that. And uh, I'd sit down and thumbnail it out. And then it was in those moments that I was like, oh, my goodness, I didn't mm-hmm. know it was going to end like this. You know, mm, wow. even though I knew how it was going to end, I didn't know it was going to end like this. <laughs> and uh, and those were those were surprising. And I, I've since heard that experience from some other writers that have given me the the um, confidence that it wasn't I wasn't totally off the rails. You know, that mm-hmm. that writers have have, have uh, had similar experiences of of you know telling the story to themselves for the first time Hmm. but but yeah the ending um the ending wasn't there when i started it came it came shortly after Mm -hmm. but um but there was a long period of time when i was like wow i wonder what what i'm gonna do here (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) that's amazing I, i love it dude i i uh 
that's fascinating and it's it's amazing to hear whenever like hey you know something's surprised you and like mm-hmm. that's really interesting and both like really cool i like that idea that yeah. concept a lot one of the the themes um I, th- I feel like in the last two books uh was sacrifice it felt like can you talk about that a little uh yeah um can you talk about it first <laughs> yeah sure. well, I mean, see that's that's where i don't i don't want to get too too spoilery um if it, it feels like there were there was a couple of things you know you have Jesse's debating um you know do i do i sacrifice my dreams and stay here mm-hmm. do you know romans you know trying to like well do i do i give up all of my memories with my father mm, um, yeah, and right. then and you have um jet dealing with do i leave because you know like the engineers tell me if i don't leave things aren't going to go the way I think they're going to go. Right. Um, right. Right. And, yeah. uh, and so th- those themes kind of run throughout, throughout that. And I, I, you know, where'd that come from? And I, I mean, um, I, I, I hear what, I hear what you're saying. I kind of, I needed to hear you talk through what you were reading. Cause when I, when you describe those moments to me, it's, you're right. It is about sacrifice, but it was more about, just kind of reiterating those those moments in your life that when making the right decision is pretty hard mm-hmm. and not always not always super clear all the time you know sometimes mm-hmm. when it's the right decision to make and it's really hard it's like oh yeah i know i know that it's the right decision to make because it's really hard but there are mm-hmm. there are times when uh in life when it's not super clear or or as roman discussed a few times in his letters that all the options seem bad Mm -hmm. or um or the good one doesn't seem to be there um and so that's that's more um i i think to me that's how i would kind of sum up that theme it's like the difficulty in making the right choice jets uh having to make choice over and over again every day and uh and and there are other choices for him, and and we're getting to learn what those choices are towards the end of the book, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, and the end of volume three as well, but um, and for Roman and and Jesse and even Oz, they're they're different, but they're kind of the same. You're right. They do they 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 do involve sacrifice. I just didn't I didn't think about them like that. I guess. What was the end goal for the? Uh... Like the engineer, like uh, I'm trying not to be too spoilery as well here, but like even <laughs> even in um, even in volume three, he talks to Jet and is he's trying to get him to come with him and become who he uh, is destined to be. Like, what is the end result for him, or do you know the end result for Jet? Or for well, the well for the like in the engineer in his mind, he wants Jet to be this um, something that that I don't know that 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 is, that is su- defined. Yeah, super clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, there are some plot elements and themes that I struggled with there only because it was around kind of that that more uh, general theme of war mm. and weapons. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't want to wade into that with like a with any kind of a statement that would uh, be really. Um, cultural commentary or social commentary or anything mm-hmm. like that. That's, mm-hmm. that was not my desire at all. In fact, it was, it was the opposite. I wanted to stay away from some of that stuff. Yeah. And so if, if that was sometimes ambiguous, it might've been because of that desire I had is like, I don't want to, 
I don't anywhere want to say that um, that war is good or violence is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that those were some of the areas where I realized I was kind of walking in landmines, so mm-hmm. to speak, and trying to um, tiptoe around some of those subjects and still have the the core of the idea of being who you were meant to be. And that jet was mm. ultimately designed a certain way. And that way is what was best. Mm. Um, and he chose something that didn't seem like a big deal, but it was, it was a big deal. It did change everything for, for everybody in the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but once you travel down the rest of the road and say, well, what, what was jet actually meant to be? Mm-hmm. Well, in the war, he was meant to be a soldier and I, I can't get around that. So, um, but what is he meant to be outside of the war is Mm. maybe another question too. And, and one of those ones I, you know, I wouldn't get into, but I hope, I hope I left enough ideas about the world that, that someone could come to their own conclusions about that. Yeah. I think you did. Like for, for me, it, it, it almost felt like, uh, the engineer wanted, wanted jet to be, um, something outside of the the war even um where i read it as hey you were meant to choose you just have to choose because that's what that's what life is that's what freedom is and that's why i built you this way and so that's kind of the reading that i had was saving this life versus saving that life or whatever it doesn't necessarily in the end um matter to the engineer what the matter to the engineer is that jet took responsibility and chose yeah yeah the, the, you you uh you said that well i think um the the themes i want to describe a lot between the jet and the engineer is freedom and the freedom to choose and the the power that that brings and uh to me it was best described you know when jet has those conversations with the engineer in the flashbacks and that i i've referred to as kind of you know my conversations with God in a way that's like, why, Mm. why did you make me like this? Mm -hmm. This doesn't work for me. Mm. What I would like is to have less choices Mm. because it seems like it would have been better if you would have made something that always did the right thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's a complex, you know, philosophical discussion, but I wanted to touch on it because it's, it's things I've thought about in my life and I don't hear people talk about it a lot, that idea of what freedom and what freedom really is. And what real freedom brings, and it's it's the freedom to make the wrong choice. That's what mm-hmm. real freedom is, mm-hmm. um, and that that's uh, that's that's difficult. That makes that makes freedom not always look as good as we make it out to be. Not not saying in any way that I'm, <laughs> that I'm against freedom. You, get, you, you can see the landmines I was I was walking around. Of course, with. of course. There there was some greater positive ideas that um, I thought were worth illustrating in this story but uh, definitely definitely we're getting I, we're getting really philosophical though <laughs> we definitely okay. are. it's okay with me but i'm just i want to point it out <laughs> there's also rockets in this yeah i was about to say <laughs> yeah. and and, yeah. and giant fighting robots so there's robot fights yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah. i also i wanted to dive in I, d- I watched uh while you were coloring this uh volume i actually watched one of your live streams on instagram and uh and really enjoyed that process it honestly like but it, it brought up like some some questions to my mind where you said you started this thing, you know, however many years ago uh, with volume one, how has technology changed the way that you work? Um, like it, the, the ever changing, ever developing kind of technology to 
be able to to draw and to tell this story. How has that changed your like day to day workflow within building this story? Yeah, it it uh it changed a lot. It started out um a hundred percent no, not a hundred percent. It started out mostly on paper. Hmm. I was drawing pages on on a twelve field animation paper on a light table because I graduated from the film school. That's kind of all I knew was an animation table and animation paper and so that's the that's the the space that I worked in, and so I would scan in the drawings, and then I would um, uh, tone them or color them, even though I, you know it doesn't have color. But I would I would uh, finish the pages digitally. So even from the beginning of the book, I was always doing the finishing digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was around. Um, there was a couple of hiatuses in the production of the book when it switched publishers. I took a year off in the middle of everything when when HarperCollins uh, dropped it and it went over to Arkea. And during that time is when it's when it became more affordable for me to purchase something like a Cintiq, um, the mm-hmm. Wacom Cintiq, which is the uh, the screen that you draw on that you connect to a computer mm-hmm. and it's got pressure sensitivity and all that. Mm-hmm. And those those are always scary leaps to make because it's like it's it feels like going from one lily pad to another, <laughs> and it's an expensive lily pad that you're hopping on. And so if it if it sinks, it's like wow, that was a waste of two thousand dollars or whatever, you know. Um, I think I got my first antique for less than that. I bought it used on Craigslist, but it you know it was a it's always a gamble when you make some of those big changes in your process. Mm. And I was hoping that it was going to speed up my process and make me a little bit more agile in how I developed pages. And it did all those things exactly like I'd hoped. I did a bunch of testing beforehand and I, and I tried out the, the technology and stuff like that. And it, it worked okay. I had, um, I had some people develop or some friends, some friends of mine that were more comfortable with digital develop a brush for me that was felt a lot like the H, you know, the the HB brush that I was using Mm -hmm. on paper, even though you can get those brushes all over online now, but this one friend I had happened to have a brush and it, it worked really nicely as a pencil. I, on the original pages, I would, I had smudged a lot of lead because I was drawing it in pencil Mm -hmm. and scanning the pencils in. A lot of people don't know this, but I didn't ink the book. I just scanned pencils in. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I would duplicate them so that they were nice, dark and, and the lines had weight to them. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I I just came to the realization a long time ago that I'm not an inker (laughs) and, uh, it was great. People like Kazu Kibishi and uh, and uh, the Hero Bear and the Kid book that was like, oh yeah, I don't I don't have to ink. These guys don't ink. I don't have to do it either. That's so awesome. that's what I did with Rust. And but I had these smudges in the pages, and I every time I scanned in a page, there would be smudges in areas, and I kind of liked them, so yeah. I, I kept them in there. I kept the kept some life in the book somehow that I liked. Um, and but then when I switched to digital, I ended up basically having to. Uh, fake those smudges. So I had a smudge brush that was like from a from a texture from one of my pages that I created and, and used the Photoshop tools to kind of make a texture from the pages that I had previously. And so then I had to put those in to make them match. And so it didn't have the same life as the real hmm. smudges did in the early pages. But I was able to to make the transition seamlessly and 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 people couldn't tell between pages. And I was able to work a lot faster. So that's cool. So that was the that was the technology journey. That's amazing. You mentioned like the coloring and and uh, and that the sepia tone, like the idea of the sepia tone. Um, whenever you were doing that live stream, you were doing like a night scene, and you were determining lighting, and you were determining all of these things. And and it, 
how does sepia tone change kind of the night scenes? Because in daylight, it, it it's, uh, I think last time on the, we had you here, we talked about like a sunset and, uh, and, and how, how sepia is, is both has advantages as well as challenges for like a sunset. Um, is, is the same true for like night scenes? And then what are some of those advantages and challenges that you encounter whenever you have a limited color palette? Yeah, I think it's, it's ultimately, uh, ultimately, uh, an advantage in that when you, when you do any painting, you've got the value, which is the blacks and the whites, the darks and the lights. Mm -hmm. And, and then the color and the color is just a whole other layer of, of, uh, of how, how the, the elements in the composition interact. And I'm not great with color. Um, it takes me a lot of iteration, experimentation, and reference to get colors right. Mm. And so for me, it was freeing to be able to basically paint the book in black and white. Mm. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's how I described it last time we talked, but that's definitely how I felt in volume four was I'd learned enough about value structure and contrast that I felt completely at home just saying, well, you know, uh, a night scene isn't all black. There's going to be light coming from somewhere. So I'm going to make those decisions. Mm -hmm. And it's basically just like painting in black and white. And then I can just focus on the lights and the shadows and some of the highlights and some, some of the things that I decide to put in and the rest, I don't have to worry about like, what's the color of this light and how does that color bounce around the room or bounce off the ground and all that other complicated stuff that is, eludes me a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it was mostly an advantage and it was, uh, uh, an enjoyable way to do a book. I would, if I, if I do another one, I'd like to see if I can do that again, but That's I don't awesome. want to be known as the sepia tone guy either. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like that could be, uh, I, I would, I would definitely do it. It's something that not very many people are doing. Like, I don't know of any other sepia tone kind of graphic novel book, you know? And so I, it could be something that would be really cool to, to see again. Yeah, that, that's interesting because I, you know, it, it color takes a lot of time too. If I wanted to do a full color book, it's you know, it takes longer than just doing black and white. So uh, yeah, so it's it's it, it might happen out of, of out of necessity instead of choice. Which is which volume is your favorite? Um, it it was volume three for for quite a long time because every book I was getting, I felt like I was getting better at storytelling and getting mm. better at my pacing and my rhythm. And I was growing as an artist. So it was easy to say that, you know, each, each book was better than the last one. Mm -hmm. Um, it may still be volume three because there's a lot, a lot of the, the, the most, the, the crux of the most emotional moments and the turning points for characters when they're coming to the end of their rope mm -hmm. is still in a way in volume three. Mm. Um, I, I think, I mean, there's definitely parts of volume four that were for me as a, as an artist that were like, I envisioned them in my head for years and to finally draw them and to finally see them in on pages is, is hard to describe what that experience is like. But but there's, I think that volume three is the most complex, I feel like, anyway. And so that appeals to me more as a reader if I'm sitting down to read my own book. Hmm. That's interesting because I get that vibe as well a little bit. Not, but at the same time, at the end of volume three, 
I mean, I don't, I don't know how spoilery I want to get here, but at the at the, <laughs> at the end of volume it is, three, it is called Death of the Rocket Boy. So right. If you want to, you know, infer <laughs> some things. Yeah, I mean, and and, yeah. and I guess like there's there are definite points where like I remember thinking to myself. Man, it can't get any worse for this character. <laughs> yes. And then it did. And then you're like, oh man, it did get worse. Uh, I think that's I think that's a good thing. I'm not sure because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh, it's um, definitely that, a good that's thing. an experience where you're like, yeah, we're at, we're this is the low of the character, and then it's like, no, it's not. It gets worse for this character. I think um, I think it, it takes it takes something pretty uh, pretty masterfully done to to actually make that turn actually work really well um, because you know whenever you feel like as a reader at the at, whenever you're at a low you feel like oh man it can't get worse than this and then it's like but it, but it does like it, that turn takes a little bit a little bit of extra extra storytelling oomph um, and so yeah it's definitely a good thing man um, I I can easily say that volume one hmm. is the hardest for me to deal with just because. When I pick up and look at volume one, um, there's so many, so many pages of experimentation and, and I was trying things. And when I look back, I'm like, yeah, that, that didn't work. And that didn't work. <laughs> um, and there's just, there's so many, uh, uh, moments like that, that it, where I, I could just see that I was still learning and mm-hmm. figuring out what my storytelling voice was. And I, I had to drag people through that. You know, I think that it wasn't drastic enough that that it that you see a huge difference hopefully from volume one to volume four but um but you'll see it if you look for it it's volume one is i was younger and i didn't totally know what was going on didn't know how it was going to end uh what have we seen the last of the rust universe uh probably i mean i hope not i should say i hope not um i don't have any plans to draw any more rust right now um because i feel like these projects are really large i mean i decided to do so many books so that was part of the problem but i feel like uh you finish a project like this you realize how short life is and it's like i may only Mm. i may only have one other book in me Mm. or or maybe this is all i do i don't know but um if i get a chance if someone could say you get to do one more book Mm -hmm. or one more series whether it's like two books or I don't think I'm going to do four again, but if someone could tell me you only get to do one more book, I'm not going to do Rust. I'm going to tell a different story because mm-hmm. I feel like there's other stories I want to tell. Mm-hmm. But but I hope it's not the last you see of the world. I have lots of crossed fingers and crossed toes that that the movie stuff would still work out and that we could we could see it in a in a grander vision or that'd be you know, amazing. Yeah, I, I think that would be cool, especially if it was cool, right? Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, but, um, they have the storyboards in front of. I mean, they're cinematic enough to be storyboards. That is true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm hoping. I mean, right right now things are are pretty quiet on the movie front, but um, I'm hoping that Volume Four changes that and that uh, that people can see the story from beginning to end. Because that was a lot of the questions I had. Even mm. even with with Fox and the and the movie stuff, it was over and over again. It was like, how does this end? Tell us how it ends. How does it end? And I could tell them at that point. I could tell them, but it's really different to show than to tell. And when I explained exactly what happened in volume four, it was not the same as reading the book, I think. So I'm hoping that people's imaginations get, uh, get, you know, uh, caught up by the last volume. But, but from me, I, 
don't think I'll be doing any more, any more rust, uh, in the foreseeable future. But I mean, who knows if, if they made the movie, I'd be like, well, I better make some more rust. Cause that's going to be, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to sell better than whatever my next idea is. <laughs> um, is there any, are there any plans just along that front? I mean, with this being the final book, are there any plans to put this into a collected edition of all four volumes in, in one? Um, I hope so. There's no plans yet. And ultimately that is, well, not ultimately. I mean, I, I, I can make that decision with the publisher, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, we've, to- we've totally talked about it, and um, I think it would be really cool. I think that there has to be kind of, uh, you know, all, all, the, all the numbers to say that it would be worth printing something like that because um, it, it's expensive just, just to go back to print on something that large. Mm. I, I think it would totally be cool, and, and everyone asks that. Fans of the book are always like, are we going to have an omnibus or a slip case or anything else, another form of this. And I, I sure hope so. Cause I would, I would love to see that, but that would be kind awesome. of, it's kind of not my decision, you know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like, it, it kind of is, but I, I mean, I could say that I really don't want to do that or really want to do that. But, but ultimately we have to see if, you know, if enough people would want that and then, mm-hmm. and then, and then do something well, like that. Well, I can that. tell you if you do any of that, I will 100% buy it. So if, if, <laughs> if, if this vote counts, you know, just there you go. I'll mark it. Yeah. I'll mark it down. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we could do cool stuff like, like David Peterson released that black and white version of mouse guard. I don't oh, remember. Yeah. I think yeah. it was only, it was like a hundred copies. Um, it was really, and it, it was a huge book and super yeah. heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I remember flipping through that in the Archaea booth in San Diego before, before they published Russ, and I was like, "Man, this is a publisher I'd like to talk to." And, uh, <laughs> so you know, maybe maybe that would be the kind of option, like a super limited print run. Um, I think technology is allowed for more print runs like that without them being really costly. So yeah, I, yeah, I sure I sure hope so. Yeah, I, those, I would love to. Uh, didn't they release things like uh, New Frontier and Watchmen in these big like big editions as well? DC did at one point. Yeah, I believe. Um, those like those over. I love those oversized collections. They're really really cool. I think the most likely thing you could probably see because I think it's a lot more accessible um, is a slip case, either mm-hmm. for the hardcovers or the soft covers, because cool. that kind of allows yeah. a publisher to package up. You know, if we've got lots of volume two, we can kind of put all, put that all together and sell a pack instead of individual books. Yeah. for sure, for um, sure. So it's that's beneficial on the publisher side. So. I kind of don't, I don't have a whole lot of doubt that, that you'll see some kind of slipcase program, but mm-hmm. as far as like a full size omnibus, like with all four, all four books all together, that, that would be, that'd be a, that'd be a big book. That would be a, <laughs> that would be a really big book. <laughs> oh man. Uh, the, the last question that I kind of had here, uh, was that you mentioned in volume one, you were trying out some new things you were experimenting with with your storytelling techniques i think even whenever we talked back about volume three you mentioned that you were experimenting with like really ramping up tension and things was there anything in volume four that you did that you had not done before in the previous ones like something that you made a concerted effort to to give give a try um hmm. i don't think so i feel like um I feel like the timeline wasn't totally what I had planned. Um, like when I kind of, I w- went through the, the thumbnails of the book and I had 
most everything plotted out and the book was structured and I knew generally how many pages it was. Hmm. And then I looked at the story and I was like, oh my gosh, this whole thing happens in the course of one night. Like hmm. it's like a totally different timeline. It's, it's a lot more focused than the other books, which are kind of taking the course over a day or two or a couple of days or, you know, uh, disregarding the flashbacks obviously. But, um, but the fourth book was just, all in a couple hours. And so that there was, there was something there that was like, Oh, this is really kind of breaking the rhythm of the rest of the books. Hmm. But other than, other than that, I felt, I think that's why volume four felt, felt good doing. Cause it, I felt like I knew what I was doing in the story and, and in the, the rhythm of the panels and the action scenes and awesome how it was wrapping up. I, it felt like, I, I felt it felt like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> so that's you were, what you were just able me, to cut loose, I guess, you know, just to do your thing, you know? Yeah. So maybe my next series has to be four volumes because it takes me four books to be able to figure <laughs> out what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to complain about four more books from you. I, I definitely sure. yeah. won't. <laughs> no. uh, well, I, I, I have one more last question as, as we wrap up. Um, it's kind of a question that's not directly related to Rust, but uh, we talk about, John and I are both creatives. Uh, we talk about in uh, in order to be creative and to output, um, you have to feed yourself in a way. What inspires you um, t- to output this kind of art and and be creative? What drives that creative energy? Hmm. Um, I would I would answer that in saying that's a good question. I feel like I would answer that in saying that I'm I'm not a very good consumer. I. I, I find that I'm really afraid of being overly influenced by by a lot of popular culture. So when people are like, oh my goodness, you need to see this show. It's called Stranger Things. It totally reminds me of Rust. You should check it out. I'm like, that's I'm going to stay as far away as I can from that. <laughs> I love it. Because I'm afraid that one, I'm going to be influenced and rip it off mm. because yeah. I just won't be able to stop myself. Or two, it will be so much like my book, but way better that it would be depressing. Mm. And I'll be like, well, someone already told this story, but better than me. And so many more people are seeing it and, and hearing the story. So those two things keep me from consuming very much. I don't, I don't read comics like very infrequently. I'm, I'm starting to watch a little bit more TV now that, that the series is over, but I stayed away from a lot of that. I still watched a lot of movies, but, um, I would say the, the most, the thing I would reach to for inspiration was music. Mm-hmm. I would, I kind of had a, a rust playlist oh. and I used specific music for when I had to sit down and write Romans letters or mm. when I was doing action sequences or, um, I would kind of reach for music because that's, that leaves the visual open for me. Right. It's like, I can yeah. mm-hmm. close my eyes and hear this. And, and I think a lot of creatives are like that too. It's like, that's the, the stuff that keeps you going. And sometimes it's not music that it wouldn't be appropriate for the story. Right. You just, it, it works for me, you know? Yeah. yeah. Now, as, as an audio engineer sitting here, um, I'm very, very <laughs> curious about this playlist. I'm like, I want to listen to it. I want to know what's on it, you right? know? Uh, it's, I would, I, I'm not going too far <laughs> off by saying it's mostly Sufjan Stevens and nice. Bon Iver. That's Love awesome. it. Love it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. How is, um, sorry, I just thought of something while you were talking. Uh, I think you feature your photography in the first and last book. Is that right? Uh, oh, all four hardcovers, like okay, the, yeah. the photography, yeah. Um, and I think you talked about it in the in the 
digital version or maybe it's the digital version of the paperback um, a little bit. What is, how do, what places has that played in the creation of Rust? It's been really, really fun. It's been, uh, the photography of the end papers has become the, the way that I end each book. Um, because as, as the book finished, it was like, okay, it's going into production and the designers on the publishing side are starting to put the pages together. And so now my number one job after delivering all the pages is to deliver the end papers mm. and the designers will put those photos together in a way that makes sense for the design. So it's been this really cool experience of closing the, that chapter for myself. So each book I would go out into the country and in, in Washington here around harvest season, I'd walk through some wheat fields or I'd knock on people's doors and say, could I take a walk through your barn with my camera? Mm. Um, you know, just kind of different stuff like that. I could kind of step into the rust world where I had access to it and shoot pictures that, that felt like they were, you know, coming from the pages in a way. And that was the way I would finish each volume. And I was, I always looked forward to it. I was like, hmm. Oh, I can't wait till this volume's over and I can get out and take those photos and just be, you know, it was, it was kind of my, 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 my finishing move for each, for each book. It was, it was a good experience. Wow. That's cool. That's awesome, man. Well, the book is rust volume four soul in the machine. And anyone who hasn't checked out the series should definitely check it out. We recommend this to almost everyone. Yeah, I mean, it, literally, people ask, you know, oh, you know, what what should I graphic novel should I read or what comics should I pick up? And I immediately just reach for Rust, and I say, here oh, you go. Yeah, cool. This is this is this is you should check this one out. So it's it's always amazing to talk to you, man. Are you going to be at any any comic cons throughout the the spring or summer or anything like that that people need to know about? Yeah, yeah. The the two I've got locked in are obviously Seattle because I live here, so I'll be at Emerald city i wasn't i wasn't at emerald city last year and so i'll be there this year and i'm going to be at c2e2 in chicago this year and um those are for sure and i'm i'm pretty sure i'm going to be in new york at the end of the year awesome and then one other show in between there and i haven't i haven't really decided where i'd like to part of me wants to go to a show i've never been before because those are always fun so any suggestions, I'm open. Awesome. I mean, we both would, would love to uh, to host you in Nashville. I mean, I would buy you so much coffee. There are some really good coffee places here in Nashville. So Okay. Oh, that's cool. I think that would be great. I'll, I'll take a look into it. Do you guys have a show near you that's good? Yeah, the, uh, there's a couple. Or No, there's a, there's one in the summer, I believe. There's a mm-hmm. Comic-Con. Yeah, happens in, in downtown Nashville. I can't remember the name of the name of it. Um, but yeah, that that one is uh, is the big one that we have here. So. I mean, it's... It, it, uh, to be fair, it's not as big as like New York or Chicago or anything like that. So, no, like, no, it, yeah, but but sometimes those smaller ones. That's how Seattle used to be, and it was uh, Seattle's still a great show. But when it was small, it was like it was really fun. Um, and I kind of look for those uh, those ones that are kind of still they're not they're not overtaken by the big publishers yet, and there there's still a lot of people there that are interested in connecting with creators and stuff. That's what's those are the those are the fun ones. That's awesome. Very That's cool, awesome. man. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And uh, we can't, can't wait to, uh, to see the reaction to this um, and uh, wish you all the best. Thanks, guys. It was nice talking to you. Absolutely, man. John, that was awesome. Super fun, dude. I love Royden. He's, he's such a, uh, an awesome person to have on yeah. the podcast. Yeah. This is the thing. I feel like I could just sit there and talk to him all day about just everything. But not only not only Russ, but just life in general, <laughs> creativity. Yeah. It's so awesome. So good, dude. Um, so you can check out his book, 
Rust, Soul in the Machine, coming out this Tuesday, February 6th. Definitely check it out. If you haven't read the series, check it out on either uh, hardback, softcover, or on digital. It's awesome. John, is next next week Black Panther? Ne- uh, two weeks is Black Panther. Two weeks. Okay. So amped for Black Panther. I feel Panther, like every though. single week, I feel like I'm like, is is next week Black Panther? I know. Is next week Black Panther? And that's how that's how excited I am about is this movie. Is next week Black Panther? It's so good. Yeah. Um, so um, I don't know what we're talking about next week, but in two weeks, it's Black Panther. Black Panther. <laughs> so check it out. We'll we'll review something or uh, do some kind of discussion. Who knows? Something crazy might happen between now and then. That's right. You never know. Never know. Life is like that. Life is like that. You can find us online at stayintargetpodcast.com on Twitter at ChrisStrike250. And John Wright777. And at StayInTargetPod. Please go to your podcast service of choice. Review us and tell all your friends about us. We really appreciate it. That's right, dude. We do appreciate it. Just all of the friends. Yeah. All of the reviews. Yeah. We appreciate it. John's been saying the last few weeks it's really easy to do it in the new iOS, Apple iOS. So It, uh, it definitely is. I actually have noticed we have a, a couple of uh, couple of new thank you. good reviews there. Listen, hang on. I've got a pile of posters at home. Don't don't I? I think I took a bunch of those. I think right? so. Hey, if you uh, you review us and uh, tweet at us and say tell us, you know, link us to your review or tell us what your username on there is, uh, we'll uh, send you a poster. That's right. Probably Bribery. just the continental U.S. Oh yeah, definitely. Because shipping gets out of control for for yeah. other places. This, but this is how uh, this is how Al Capone became rose to power with poster posters, with posters? reviews on iTunes and reviews. I don't know if that's historically that's not, accurate. Okay, <laughs> I thought I heard that. I, mean, I, I have a history degree, John. You should just trust me. <laughs> oh, my <gosh. laughs> oh, man. We jumped the shark. All right. We just need to end this thing. Absolutely. All right. We have Royden back to help us end the podcast, as we always do. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay, Stay on, on Target. Target.